what's going on? Welcome back to Without Apology, brought to you by Wise Fools Media. Without Apology is a Catholic apologetics podcast about interesting stuff from a guy who knows some apologetics and another who doesn't. I'm William. And I'm Josh. Hooty who. Josh, man, how you been? I've been good. Dude, it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been three weeks. It's funny, last time at the end of the episode, you're like, we'll be back in two weeks. And then I forgot that it was supposed to be Christmas and whatever <laughs> else was coming up. But yeah. you know what? It happens, dude. Yeah. Well, it's, so from now, probably going to be two weeks. Yeah, like every other week. Yeah. But also, before we really get into it, I just want to say I was really satisfied with how the first one came out. It I was, was too. I was. It was fun. Yeah, and it was our first one, and it was like one take, and like and, literally no prep. Right. No. And, you just came over and started like shooting me in the face with apologetics. Yeah, I I really liked it. I really liked how, even though the topic was like what caused God, we were able to talk about a whole ton of stuff that like I've just been dying to talk about. Like, I I got to casually slip into conversation that the Catholic Church does not compel people to reject the theory of evolution. Right. Something always flip in whenever you can. Well, it's it, it's it's funny you say that because so, you know, I'm a youth minister. I'm the assistant youth director at, at our church. And uh, my wife is the youth director. And Josh, you're on the core team. Right. And you can't bring you can't bring any of this stuff up because a high schooler is just going to be like, dude, I just want to Snapchat. Right. You know, like I, you know, I'm still trying to find Pokemon. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. Like whenever I'm leading a small group, I'm like, one day someone's going to be like, well, what caused God? And then I'll be ready. But it's always like, well, it's like, what if like, like, I, I like this guy and I don't know if this is like, oh. So now well, this yeah. is our stage. This is our moment. <laughs> Dude, Um, tell me what you uh, screwed up last episode. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> so, well, first, let me. Let me preface this by saying that we didn't actually get any comment about this. This is just me listening to the thing. Like I live, I think I listened to the podcast like four times, and being like, "Oh, I could, I probably could have elaborated more on that." So you're so, the reason why we have seven views, right? I am the you reason. You're the four of the seven. <laughs> I am the four of the seven. So, um, I was talking about how the existence of God, technically speaking, is not an article of faith, and that's true. I defined intellectual faith as believing something on the grounds of divine authority. That is also true. But what I didn't really mention is that there's there's more than just that kind of faith because that's not even that's not even a supernatural gift from God. That's just kind of, you know, following the conclusions of arguments and anyone in principle could do that without the need of a special divine intervention whereas Typically, when people use the word faith, they're referring to something a bit different, kind of a broader definition. What do you and mean? So, so basically, when I was like, oh, if you believe in God on faith, then that's circular reasoning. And then in the same breath, I was like, oh, but if you if you do that, that's totally fine. No, I got you. But the thing is, I wasn't, I was not saying it's okay to have circular reasoning. I was just kind of using the more, almost like a colloquial, broader definition of faith when I say it's okay to believe in God on faith. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. And so um, here's an example. It's like, let's say you have an 80-year-old grandma, and your grandma is like the most religious person you know. And you're like, Grandma, how do you know God exists? And of course, like everyone else's grandma, she's like, 
Well, son, allow me to fit you onto my lap and read to you my commentary on the five wave of Thomas Aquinas. Your, gra- your grandma was a heavy smoker, that's why. <laughs> your grandma sounds like death. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, of course, no one's grandma saying that. If your grandma says that, you got a cool grandma. Yeah. But more likely than not, your grandma's going to be like, oh, I believe it on faith. And so the point that I was making is that you don't have to scold your grandma because she can't give a detailed commentary on this or that argument or whatever. That, that's, that's all I was saying. Okay. I because like a it. lot of times, whenever you kind of introduce the topic of natural theology, which is theologi- knowledge about God that we can know by the natural light of human reason apart from revelation, I find that religious believers can be really skeptical of that. And they're like, well, wait, no, we don't we just take all of it on faith? It's like, well, not exactly. But then also, well, after you say that, they think, well, Wait, does that mean I'm irrational for not? No, it doesn't mean that right, either. Right, right, right. So I just, I just wanted to throw that out there. It's really, it's difficult to satisfy everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. All right, well, I got a question for you. Yeah, I want to know what what came first, God or the atheist? Ugh, I should have studied. You didn't even send out a study guide. Well, I guess you could say God came first. God came first. Well, I think like what we talked about last episode, God didn't come first. Right. Well, yeah, well God, God's always. <laughs> gotcha. You got him. Oh, I just clipped <laughs> that into oblivion. <laughs> We're going to fix that in post. Uh, no, God, um, God has always existed. Yeah, he always was. That's one way to put it. So, like, how, how would I, how, how, how does one explain that the universe wasn't always was, you know, there's a lot of people that think, well, the universe always was. And I'm like, no, the universe wasn't always was, but I don't know how to explain that. This is a common objection. And don't, don't correct my grammar people. All right. (laughs) Wasn't always was. This is the internet. William, everyone is here to correct your grammar. Grammar Nazis. (laughs) So, um, yeah, this is a common objection that you get when, if you just say, uh, you know, God has just always existed. Then the common response is, well, how do you know the universe hasn't always existed? Mm. And here's the thing. You can actually grant for the sake of argument that the universe has always existed because the way that Aquinas argues, he's able to show that even though the universe always existed, we're still able to show that the universe was created or caused. And it's uh, there's a lot of different principles and details that go into this where we won't be able to get into all of them. I mean, eventually we will, but... For now, the the main point that I want to hammer home is that when God argues for the existence of God, he's not tracing causes backwards in time to something like a Big Bang. That's what's called the Kalam argument, and it is a popular argument, and some people have used it, but Aquinas doesn't use it. He instead, like I said, grants for the sake of argument that the universe always existed. And now... It kind of brings up the same question as last time, one of many questions, which is, if Aquinas didn't actually say that, why do people think Aquinas said that? We talked a whole lot about that last time, and I had this whole, you know, fun little theory. This time, it's actually, it's a lot more understandable, I would say, because even if you're reading the fourth text, and so I have right here a direct quote from the argument, it says, now whatever is in motion is put in motion by another. Now... That sounds a whole lot like, say, dominoes falling. Like you have yeah. 
domino if you knock one down one domino puts the next domino in motion so on and so forth and so when you're kind of reading it that way it's easy to see oh well that's clearly what Aquinas meant and also because unlike the the what caused God argument where that one is just clearly absurd and no intelligent person probably you know could make that argument yeah this is at least something where you could say <laughs> I can understand how an intelligent person could argue this way because intelligent people do argue this way it just happens that Aquinas didn't and actually what's pretty funny there was kind of a a rivalry between St. Thomas Aquinas and St. Bonaventure, where Bonaventure did argue, he said that you could philosophically prove the universe began to exist, and Aquinas argued against them. And now all this time later, Aquinas is the patron... (laughs) Catholic saint death Right, Right. Aquinas is the patron saint of, uh, I think, universities and teachers. St. Bonaventure is the patron saint of bowel movements. So, <laughs> also, I, I I got that from Pines with Aquinas. I I didn't actually look into that myself, so you can blame that. But yeah, so you're reading this text, and it says whatever's put in motion is put in motion by another, and you're like, okay, I get what he's saying. Then you read the very next line. It says, for nothing can be put in motion except it is in potentiality to that towards which it is in motion. And you go, oh. Wait, wait, that, that's a mouthful. Yeah, you're so, like. Say that one more time so, slowly so that so. way the listeners of my <laughs> mental capacity can can comprehend. <laughs> so for nothing. that Can I do a dramatic reading? Please. For nothing can be in motion except it is in potentiality to that toward which it is in motion. What does that mean? That is a good question. And kind of the point I'm making what what the heck does that mean? Because it probably doesn't mean what you and I would mean by motion. And so really what it is, what Aquinas is getting at here is that whenever Aquinas uses the word motion, it's a lot closer to what we would mean by the word change. So like a ripening banana, say, like, you know, going from green to yellow, Aquinas would use the word motion to describe that. And even, let's see, a line later, um... He uses an analogy of of wood burning, of uh, wood catching fire and getting hot, and describes how the wood that is getting hot, he says, and that is motion. And so even from the example he's giving, if you really kind of do a careful reading of it, you can see, okay, he might kind of mean something different. And also, it's important to note that that when Aquinas is giving these arguments, he's giving them within the context of his larger work. And so they're not really meant to be taken in isolation. It's you're, you're meant to have, you're meant to already be familiar with Aquinas's metaphysics before you even get to the argument. So by the time you do, Mm. you're like, Oh, I get it. Um, But you know, nowadays when you give an argument, you really want to try to streamline everything in there where even if someone doesn't even know what the word metaphysics mean, they can understand the argument. Okay. Right. So that was one point. And then the next question this raises is, if Aquinas is granting for the sake of argument that the universe always existed, then how exactly can something be created if it's always existed? And there's a cool analogy he uses where, imagine you have a foot that is creating a footprint in the sand, 
And even if that footprint had always existed, you could still say that it's being cre- it's caused to exist by the foot. And that's kind of, it kind of scratches the surface. That's one way to visualize it. But really, it, it goes, the rabbit hole goes much deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm already lost. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a lot to wrap your head around. And we've hardly even gotten into it. <laughs> well, let's go. We've got plenty of time. Okay. So the other super important element here, which is, I would say, one of the most vital parts to any discussion about the existence of God. And not everyone would agree with that, but I, I certainly think it is. And that's what Aquinas calls the essentially ordered causal theories. Now, you hear that and you think, oh no, it's about to, it's about to go really difficult. It's actually, it's actually a, a pretty simple concept. So there's a distinction to be made between these different types of causal theories. One is called accidentally ordered and the other is essentially ordered. Now, take, for example, the example we used earlier with the dominoes of one domino knocks into the other, which knocks into the other, so on and so forth. So is, is that a causal series? Yeah, you could, you could say that that's a causal series, okay. particularly in accidentally ordered causal theories. Now, uh, so another example would be a father who begets a son who begets another son. That would also be accidentally ordered. And what makes it accidentally ordered is this. So let's say you have, you know, the grandpa, the dad, the son. If the grandpa were to suddenly stop existing, that doesn't mean the dad and the son have to stop existing because their, you know, you could say their power to exist, so to speak, or their causal power, it doesn't come from the grandpa in that way. They're not, so you don't depend on your parents to exist at any given moment. You just need your parents to initiate your existence and then you can carry on existing. Now, (laughs) Mm -hmm. here's where it gets fun. So, with an essentially ordered causal theory, that's not the case. An example would be kind of like this. So, imagine a train where you have a train that's consisted, that consists of a bunch of passenger carts, and then you have the engine cart, and the engine cart is what moves the train. The train can only move insofar as the engine cart is moving. So, you could say the, you know, the engine cart pulls passenger cart A, which pulls B, which pulls C, so on and so forth. But they can't, nothing can move at all without the engine cart. Yeah. And so the significance of this is a few things. Is that Aquinas would say that with the accidentally ordered series, like with the dominoes, with the father begetting a son, he would say that that kind of thing, you can have an infinite regress going backwards into the past forever, at least in principle. Right. He didn't actually uh, believe the universe always existed, but, you know, neither here nor there. He thought that you can't philosophically, you can't argue that way. You can't say, well, look, you can't trace causes backwards in time forever. Aquinas would say, no, you actually can. And so that's, that's part of why he just kind of grants for the sake of argument the universe always existed. So it's it's like, you know, if if you could get to that infinite number, infinity, like that mm-hmm. last number, right? If if you if you could, mm-hmm. you could count back to zero. But if you're at zero, you can't get to the infinite number. You know, that's actually that's really funny you bring that up because there's actually an analogy kind of like that that people use to try and show that the universe couldn't have always existed. Now, it's an analogy that Aquinas would not agree with, but it's kind of like this. It's like, imagine you have a donut shop, 
And before you're able to open the shop for the day, you have to count the donuts. If you have a hundred donuts, it's going to take some time before you can open the shop. If you have a million donuts, it's going to take a little bit longer. But if you have an infinite number of donuts, you can never open the shop. And so likewise, people would say that if you, the universe always existed, then you can't, then an infinite amount of time would have had to have already happened, which according to the analogy is impossible. That, I don't know, I'm kind of throwing a lot out there. Does that? I, I almost feel like if you had an infinite amount of donuts and you had to count them before you open the shop, you don't have a donut shop. You just have a building with an infinite amount of donuts. You just, yeah, you just, you're you not selling donuts that yes, day. Yes, there are no receipts, you've also, no transactions. You've also solved world hunger. So. Yes. Right, but you kind of get uh, the yeah. way that that kind of argument works. Now, Aquinas wouldn't actually agree with that. And the thing is, that particular analogy, I used to think, and I still kind of see it is, I think it is pretty convincing. The only thing is when you really get down to it, it presupposes so much about like the nature of time and all. And it's like for something that sounds like such a simple analogy, when you really get into it, it's really not simple because you have to know, well, how do I argue for the a theory of time and this, that, and the other. It's like, I don't want to, I don't want to learn how to do that. And that's really, that's what these conversations devolve into when you try to argue that the universe began to exist because you have people that have, all of these, you know, they've really thought about it. They, yeah. they say, oh, well, what you haven't considered is that, you know, the B theory of time. What about that? And they have this long, you know, they have their whole spiel about that. And what about this model of the universe? And the thing is, it's just so much easier to just kind of shrug and say, oh, well, that could be the case. Well, it but turns it, into what if this, what if that. And like right, the, and the what if is, argument never works. Right. But and the thing is, it doesn't even undermine the argument in the way that they want it to. It would only un- undermine the argument if you were saying the universe began to exist and kind of using that donut analogy like I was saying. Yeah. Um, but I just, I don't like to argue that way. And, you know, apparently neither did Aquinas. And so let's bring it back to the essentially ordered causal theory. So I gave that analogy with the train. An analogy that I think comes from Aquinas is imagine a stone that is being pushed by a stick that's held by a hand. The stone only moves insofar as the stick moves insofar as the hand moves. And so the significance of this sort of series is that each member derives causal power from what you could say is like the first member. So even if even if you have an infinitely long stick, an infinitely long stick cannot push a stone unless you have the hand, a.k.a. the first member. Mm-hmm. And now, the, this is where I need to be careful with how I, I, how I articulate this because when I use the word first, it's not really first as coming before the second or the third or you know something like that. It's first as in like most fundamental. I kind of like when people say, you know, you got to put first things first. It's not like, before the second or third, it's just the most fundamental thing that, yeah. So maybe, maybe more of a ranking instead of a uh, right, gotcha. right. And so even and so even if you were to say like you could definitively prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that the universe always existed, and even if that were the case, the whole the whole point what this is all leading up to is who cares. It doesn't matter. The argument still works. Okay. And so what's interesting, the, like the way he's able to do this, and this is, we're going to 
dive a little bit into my own kind of observation for take it with a grain of salt but it seems to me like the way that a lot of these arguments play out and not just from Aquinas but like the classical arguments you can kind of separate them into two parts where part one is to prove that the universe is created and then the second part to show that there's a creator and then elaborate on that to get divine attributes so on and so forth but the way that Aquinas shows that the universe is created. I mean, there's really a number of different ways to do this. You can pull out of a hat the name of any medieval philosopher. They probably have something to say about it. Yeah. But it seems to me like the way Aquinas is arguing is he's basically saying like it's not within our nature to exist. Now, let me let me elaborate a bit more on that because it's, Please. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's very counterintuitive almost. So imagine you have you see a, a flying bird and you think it's not a big deal and birds fly all the time it's within the bird's nature to fly true i Ima- saw bird box yeah <laughs> yes you saw bird box and now imagine you see a pig flying well it's not really within the nature of a pig to fly it's pretty bizarre and so yeah. i haven't seen that movie yet yeah no you haven't and so the only way that a pig could fly would be if something was sustaining it in flight like a little pig jetpack say or wings or wings red bull well if it, yeah well if it had wings then it would be within its nature to fly so there, there you oh, go there you go okay and so i see where you're going with so this here's now. kind of the mind blow and the thing is this is you know this is wait can i stop you yeah okay so are you saying everything with wings is should fly everything except for penguins i knew you were gonna try to trick trick me on what about- that what about ostriches? Well, well, <laughs> check, checkmate. Am I right? That's right. <laughs> Smarty pants yeah. is done. Yeah, I've, I have, I have been defeated. Podcast over. We're done. Okay. No, 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 no. Keep Wait. Going. So, um, this, so this is kind of how I like to put the metaphysical jargon that hardly anyone understands into a layman's term. So. You know, if I if I mess something up here, if I mess up anything, most likely it's going to be here. But right. the way that I see it, it's in the same way that it's not within a pig's nature to fly. It's not within a pig's nature to exist. And I don't just mean like a pig can't cause itself to begin to exist. Like a pig can't give birth to itself. Okay. Weird image. You're welcome for that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, because that's obvious. What I mean is... Like the fact that a pig exists right now, if you're going to take only the nature of that pig, the pig really shouldn't exist. And the same goes for everything else in the material world is that we really shouldn't exist. Like right now, we shouldn't exist. Yeah. And yet we do anyway. Okay. And so that's kind of the intuitions underlying a lot of these arguments. And there's a number of different ways to do that. The one that I'm deriving my own little theory from, it's from what's called the distinction between essence and existence where essence is just a fancy word for nature. So the difference between nature and existence. Um, And so you can kind of see where I'm coming from with that. And we should probably just even do an entire episode on that. But the main point that I wanted to make is that even if the universe always existed, it's still possible to show that it is caused, which is the first part of, that kind of argument. Yeah. And now there's also a really cool, because here's the thing. <laughs> if someone says, well, the universe always existed, it almost seems like that undermines our intuition that 
there has to be an explanation for the existence of things. Like the famous question, why is there something rather than nothing? What is the explanation concerning the existence of everything? And it seems like a lot of people would say, well, well, if, if the universe always existed, well, then that's that and we can just leave it there. But it's really not true. And there's a really cool analogy to show how this is the case, how even if something always existed, it doesn't undermine that, you know, that primordial, like, the questioning being, right? Yeah. And so, so here it is. So imagine you're a philosophy professor and okay, you have to, you're scheduled to give a lecture tomorrow. But here's the thing. You procrastinate, Will. I do. And you'd never wrote your lecture note. I didn't. But lucky for you is that you have a time travel machine. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. I have a time traveling machine. Right. So you're you're this arrogant atheist professor, and you and you're also a time traveler. Okay. All right. I feel like you're trying to say, and, and correct me if like, are you trying to say that all atheists are Marty McFly? Well, I don't want to. F- Spoil anything. Okay. So don't spoil anything <laughs> then. We'll pick that back up next ne- next episode. Yeah. Is Marty McFly an atheist? Have or cool... are atheists all <laughs> just like Marty McFly? Have a cool time travel episode. Well, that's <laughs> that's fun. That that's gonna be a good episode there. Um dude. All right. That that dude, that's a lot to take in. Yeah, I I feel like every time I'm just throwing so much out there and it's like you kind of have to sleep on it. I have you to know? clean the wall behind me again from, from all the <laughs> brain matter that's there. But listen, you know, this is without apology. We don't care. Yeah. We're just going to we're just gonna throw apologetics into your face holes. And next week, I'm, I'm probably going to say how I, I was either incorrect or didn't communicate. <laughs> I was something. wrong about everything. Yeah, the, fir- the first 10 minutes of every episode is, hey, remember when I said this? Well, well I'll tell you this. If anybody listening wants to comment, ask a question, or correct Mr. Smarty Pants, um, by all means, you can. You can email us at withoutapology.wisefoolsmedia at gmail.com. So definitely hit us up there. There's another cool thing we have uh, the ability to do. You can call in and leave a voicemail, uh, and we will play it on the air. Okay, so... I am so excited about that. I, I... I hope people will call in. So call us at 985-503-7867. That's 985-503-7867. Just leave your name, tell us where you're from, and ask your question or yell at Josh for not knowing what he says he knows or yell at me for not knowing what I should know. Um, Again, thank you guys for listening. This is Without Apology. I'm William. And I am Josh. And... We're we out. are Dunyan Ring. Oh, there I go, clipping the audio again. <laughs> okay. Uh, You're done.